Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 we're back. We're black. Wait, actually, it's this is the B A Q A A the B A Q A what to say the B A Q A with Tiffany the B A Q A ain't no man day the B A Q A is just May okay hey um um I am back in the stew Mandy's not here today but that's okay I got you we're gonna do a little B A Q A that's when I or myself or and Mandy and I answer your questions about business personal finance career um to the best of our black and brown ability um, that you're going to take with the smallest grain of salt because you do not pay us to, um, so we're not your attorney, we're not your doctor, we're not your your mama, but we are your favorite um, cutie pie internet cousins answering financial questions, okay? Okay, so um, let's start with some questions. If you have questions, you can go to brownambitionpodcast.com. There's like a contact us button or whatever there. You can ask a question there. You can slide into the DMs on Instagram, um, Brown Ambition Podcast, Twitter, the BA Podcast, um, Brown Ambition Podcast at gmail.com. You can email us, you know, ask your questions. All right. So let's start with, okay, let me see. Who's this? Oh, hold up. It looks like we have two dudes in the stew today. Okay, so we're going to start with Rob. Hey, Rob. Rob says, hey, ladies. I'm a fan of you both. By the way, my sister, who, um, by way of my sister, who encouraged me to listen to your podcast. Shout out to Robin. Ooh, okay, I see what your parents did there, Robin, Robin. I love it. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the topics, and I have learned a lot so far. We love that. Um, I had a serious question pertaining to debt management. I'm currently 28 and I work for the financial industry and I'm making good money. However, I have a ton of debt due to poor decisions and being taken advantage of by family. Oh, wow. Okay. This debt has been lingering for years and recently my wages were garnished. Okay. I can't afford that at the moment in addition to repayment of my student loans beginning in October because y'all know, you know, the um, the GOP done told the president, we got to stop paying, okay? Um, the student loans that he paused, those payments that he paused. Um, she says, I'm actively seeking an attorney to explore options to stop garnishment and how to manage, eliminate other existing debts. I saw something pertaining to bankruptcy, and it looks like it may be extremely helpful, but I'm horrified at how it could potentially affect my credit, especially when I'm working in the industry that pays attention to that when it comes to promoting. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any knowledge about bankruptcies or any other alternatives to debt management um, when it's gotten pretty bad? Thanks, Rob. Well, Rob, first I want to say I'm so sorry that you've been, you know, taken advantage of by some family. You know, good on you for acknowledging that, you know, sometimes you make mistakes 
and we're here as a result of that. Um, and those things happen because child have been there, done that, literally wrote the book about it. Okay. Um, so I just want to acknowledge that first and foremost. And I would say, I want you to be very clear when you file for bankruptcy it's not easy. Okay. It's not as easy as it used to be. Cause when you, um, cause there are like, uh, two ways that you can file for bankruptcy chapter seven and, um, chapter 13. So Bankruptcy, as we know, it gives you the opportunity to pay down a portion of your debts over time or have some of them eliminated entirely, right? So um, either way, when you declare bankruptcy, it grants what's called an automatic stay, which basically means a block on your debts to keep creditors from trying to collect. They can't deduct money from your bank account. They can't garnish your wages. They can't go after other assets, potentially. Um, And so you... You'll have time to work with the courts and your creditors to determine what the next steps look like. That's what happens when you de- when you declare bankruptcy, right? And so the two uh, main types of, of, of like as an individual are Chapter Seven and Chapter Thirteen. Um, so Chapter Seven bankruptcy is what they often like when you think about filing for bankruptcy. They sometimes will call it liquidation bankruptcy um, because for in order to child for Chapter Seven, you're going to likely need to sell off some of your assets. So that way you can pay back some of the people. So let's just say you had a house and a car and you had jewelry and you had, you would literally, they would leave you with something because they know you have to live, but they would say, basically, you belong to me now. I'm the captain now. You know, so chapter seven can be very aggressive. Um, so there, it depends on what state that you're in. It's going to determine like what assets, like, like your retirement account, maybe, like I said, I know I mentioned your house and your car, but some of them are exempt from liquidation depending on your state. So you would check with an attorney depending on your state to find out what you'd be allowed to keep if you were considering chapter seven, chapter 13, um, you don't actually need to worry about selling off any of your property. Um, instead, there your debt would be reorganized so you can pay them off partially or in full for the next three to five years. So the thing is, the benefit of Chapter 7, if there is a benefit, is that if you are willing to liquidate whatever up to whatever the state allows, those debts that you owe, you no longer owe. Chapter 13 is you're actually not, you're not, you won't not owe, it will just reorganize in a way to set you up to pay off, you know, in the next three to five years. So, but keep in mind, if you don't pay, like if you don't align with the payment plan, they can come after your other stuff, like if with chapter 13. Okay. Now the issue to your point, um, Rob, is if you, um, your credit is going to be for the most part, severely affected. If you, especially, um, uh, chapter 13, chapter, um, um, uh, seven, you know, and so it's going to stay on your credit report for up to 10 years. Um, and so chapter 13, um, although it will affect your credit like as well, um, it's viewed a little bit more favorably because you're still paying off at least some of your debts versus just getting them like wiped away. But bankruptcy still stays on your credit for a very long time, very long time. Um, and now here is the thing bankruptcies are publicly filed. They're considered public record. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, they're going to be like sending a a letter to your mama, but um, oftentimes, I think it was like, I read a a statistic, it's like up to 29% of employers do check your credit. And especially, I'm not going to lie, Rob, you're in the financial industry. So filing for bankruptcy 
because you're in the financial industry and you're very young, you didn't say how much you owed, makes me feel a little bit nervous. Um, because although you have a job, so it might not keep you from a job, I've actually heard people, I remember a friend of mine was working like a trucking company and couldn't get a promotion because what she did was she handled like, I guess, accounts and things like that. And they felt like if you have bad credit, you might be more likely to steal. And so she couldn't get a promotion until she got her credit score up. I had another friend who, really my mentee, she just graduated, graduated law school and they let her know because she had an internship. Until you get your credit score up, we can't hire you as an attorney. And so especially in your space, I cannot see how filing for bankruptcy is not going to affect your ability to climb the corporate ladder. And like I said, that's this on your credit report 10 years, Rob. You young, sir. You're young. So I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I'm here to tell you what I would do, which is I ain't filing for bankruptcy. You know, like unless I owed a million dollars, 10 million or something crazy, then I'm like, if that makes sense. People be filing for bankruptcy for some old $10,000. No, mm -mm. not, you know, and you, you know, you got seven kids and you're 85. No, Rob, you're 28. I'm sure you don't own a million or a million dollars. And so there are other alternatives to file for bankruptcy that, that won't curtail your ability to make money. You want to know something, some of them? Here you go. There's credit counseling. Right. There are literally certified nonprofit credit counseling agencies that help you basically similarly do to what Chapter 13 would do, which is help to reorganize your debt. One of my favorite is write this down, Rob. You got your pen? NFCC.org. Actually, let me just like type it in so I can remember. I can look at it. NFNFCC.org. And they are the um, what do they call themselves? They are the, I believe they're the national, except national foundation for credit counseling. And I like them because one, they, um, it's a nonprofit organization and they have partners in every state that these certified nonprofit credit counseling agencies in every state. So you can find one in your state then. And from what I remember the last time, I mean, I don't know what they do now, but it would be like they used to do like a sliding scale, like helping you anywhere from free to whatever you can afford. I don't know if that's still the case. You'd have to obviously call, connect with a counselor. You can connect like via, um, you know, you can call them. You can connect with them online. Um, but that is my favorite. I have never heard anything bad about them. I love the NFC. And I've been recommending them for like the last 10 years. And everybody always comes back and says, thank you so much. So um, credit counseling is a... a um, is an alternative. Um, also, too, there's debt consolidation. That's the second alternative. So debt consolidation basically means like looking at your debt, like listing it um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way that you can kind of see all you owe, who you owe, what percentage, you know, what's your interest rate, all of that. And then ask yourself, like, say, for example, you've got three or four credit cards. Depending, I don't know what your credit score is looking like now, but seeing if you could qualify um, for either a credit card or a loan that's less than the average of the interest rate. Like, so, so, for example, let's just say you have three credit cards. One is a 10% interest rate, one is 20, one is 15, right? And because your credit score is pretty decent, you're able to either get a credit card or to get a loan from ideally like a credit union, Um that says we can give you an interest rate of 8% or whatever. So it's like, oh, okay, that's less than what I'm paying now. And that loan, you used to pay off the three or four people that you owe, and you're just paying this one person now, this one credit union, 
you know, or sometimes people do this with roll of transferring balances to a credit card. You can roll over. You know, sometimes some cards, if you have excellent credit, will say you pay a 0% interest rate for like, you know, 12 months, 15 months. And so you're literally all the money that you're paying goes directly to the card and not to any interest. But the key is you got to read the fine print because sometimes they have a 3% transfer fee, you know. And then on top of that, you want to make sure that there's no, if you don't pay us back by the end of 12 months, you have to pay all the interest that we didn't, that we didn't charge you. So consider debt consolidation. That's getting a loan from a credit union, ideally a credit union, that's going to provide you with a better interest rate. If you're not a member of a credit union, Google credit union near me. You can, someplace you can join today and apply today. Consider balance transfers, you know, to like if you have multiple credit cards. So that's another alternative. Um... And so, like, also, too, a debt management plan. So if you go to that, like I said, nfcc.org, um, um, oftentimes they have something called the DMP, which is a repayment program that a certified credit counselor can organize for you. And so that's like, you know, that's maybe like one point, you know, instead of like the third alternative, this is an alternative that like kind of tax on to getting credit counseling. Like literally, they will not only, like, it's not just that they'll on paper say, hey, Rob, here's the way you should pay off your debt. They will reach out to your creditors for you, negotiate better repayment terms, negotiate lower interest, and then say, okay, Rob, we've done all this work. Here's how much you have to pay who and when. Does that make sense? Okay. And then like, lastly, you can do um, debt settlement or debt relief, you know? And so what that means, and I've done this, so I owed, I remember one time, like, child, like, I dyed my hair. I did not know I was allergic to black dye. And when I say my face blew up, it was a hot air balloon. I mean, my face blew up. It looked crazy. And I was broke at the time. And I was like, at first I was like, oh, it's just a little puffy. And then it just kept growing bigger and bigger. And I was like, I don't have any money to go to the doctor, to the hospital. My mom was like, so do you want to wake up tomorrow or not? And so I went to the hospital. Child, they gave me the, the equivalent of a Benadryl in a drip. I was so mad. $800 later, I was like, dang, I don't have $800. So I just ignored them. And they were calling and calling and sending letters. I just ignored it because I was scared. It was like maybe 15, 10, 15 years ago. Um, and then my sister, who worked in the medical field, was like, girl, you can negotiate for less. You know, what do you have? I was like, I don't know. I have like three, $400. And so... I called the hospital back and was like, I don't have $800. I have $300. And they were like, okay. They were able to offer me a settlement for less money because I said I had this in, in, in lump sum. And so you can actually negotiate with your creditors and say, I don't have this, but this is what I can do. The more that you can pay in a lump sum, the more likely they are to say yes. You know, No one wants to hear, I don't have $10,000, but I can pay you $2,000 over the next two years. No. They want to hear... I don't have 10000 but I can pay you 2000 today. Does that make sense? So you can like reach out and, um, and, and look. Now, now that is going to affect your credit score a little bit, but it won't um, not like bankruptcy. Okay? So let's recap some alternatives. Okay? Um, credit counseling, nfcc.org. Um, debt consolidation, that's either via balance transfer credit card or a consolidation loan from like your favorite neighborhood credit union. Um, a debt management plan. This is a not just a plan on paper, but a plan that uh, a credit counselor will help to negotiate with your creditors on your behalf. And then, like on the last but not least, because it's still going to affect your credit score negatively, um, but debt settlement, like settling or you know asking for debt relief. Okay, I hope that was 
helpful or whatever. Um, yeah, because I know, you know, these things happen and, you know, and we're not here to beat anybody up. Um, we're just here to offer solutions. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and answer the second question from another dude. Okay. It's raining, man. Hallelujah. It's rain. Let me stop. Anyway. Um, <laughs> we'll be back in black in a moment so we can pay some bills and I can answer your next question. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 BA fam. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. That's incredible. This is according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 150 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Okay, it's smart. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition. Just go to Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need Indeed. Do you ever have subscriptions that you forget about? I did. Mm-hmm. Do you have a hard time canceling those subscriptions because they seem tricky or time consuming? Raise your hand. I know it's you. Okay. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Yes. I can see all my subscriptions in one place. And if I see something I don't want, I cancel it with a tap. I've never had to get on the phone with customer service in order to do so. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Okay. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Brown Ambition. That's rocketmoney.com slash Brown Ambition. Rocketmoney.com slash Brown Ambition. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... How to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything wherever you listen. 
back in black, and we are here. Um, like I said, you know, you know, brown ambition typically because you know me and Mandy are two hey ladies. Um, that's usually our audience, but I don't know. The guys are representing today. You know, we answered Rob's question, and now we have a question from Todd. I don't know if that's your real name, but that's what you put in the, the email. So, child, that's your business. Um, so, um, Todd is a listener. So let's see what Todd has to say. Hi, Tiffany and Mandy. My name is Todd. I just wanted to start off by saying I love the show. I'm also a black man who enjoys listening. Yes, Todd, we love a black man over here. Okay. I listen to the audio experience all the time and I'm a huge fan. My question is about whole life insurance. I wanted to know when you had Ramit Sethi in the stew. Okay. I see you taking on my, my language. He briefly touched on whole life insurance, and it sounded like he was against it. Likely he was, because all of us would sense are, but we'll, we'll talk. We'll continue. Um, but he didn't finish the point he was trying to make about life insurance, so I didn't want to assume anything. Um, I was wondering if you guys can continue that kind of discussion. Well, probably not with Ramit, but I can continue the discussion. We'd love to hear his thoughts, and of course, your thoughts on whole life insurance or life insurance in general. As I hear a lot of people say that it's a wealth-building tool. Ooh, cha. Time. Don't make me hot up in here. So one, I can almost guarantee you 100,000% that Ramit was saying whole life is whole trash. Because, um, and you know, I've just heard him say that. And quite honestly, us in the financial space who believe in what's fair for y'all, that's what we say. So I actually have a whole chapter in my book, Get Good With Money, about life insurance. So there are two types of, of well, there, yeah, there's two basic types of life insurance, right? There is term and um, term life insurance is issued for a specific number of years, like for a specific time frame, right? And you pay a premium monthly, like so you might pay like, I don't know, for 20 years or whatever, you know, like, and then you get a payout, a death benefit that's guaranteed to your beneficiaries if you died between that, that time frame. That's why it's called term. But what I really want you to understand that term um, um, life insurance is like regular insurance, meaning think about when you have insurance for your car. It is term, right? Because typically people get insurance for a car, it's annual and you renew annually. You know, like you might pay monthly, but it's like, this is only good for this year and every year they reassess and you pay, right? So even though they make this big differentiator, like, oh, what's term? No, no. I just want you to think of every other insurance in your life, health insurance, dental insurance, pet insurance, homeowner's insurance, of car insurance, it's basically term. And the way is the same way it works with these other insurances. If something happens and you are fully paid up within the term, then a payment is paid out. The reason why people get all freaked out is because the thing that has to happen for life insurance is for you to pass away. Don't nobody want to talk about that. But here we're talking about it. But like in cars, right? Like it's like the other day, literally just yesterday, somebody hit my sister's car. It was um, parked. And some kid was driving a B guy in his car. He got spooked and he, he hit her car. You know, he was honest. You know, his insurance is taking care of it, yada, yada, yada. But essentially, she has insurance. He, like, he has insurance. She's going to go through his insurance. They're going to pay because he has insurance for the year that he pays for likely monthly or quarterly or whatever. I like to pay my insurance up for the year. But, you know, you have up to pay it um, monthly. And it lasts for the year, period. That's term. It is very familiar insurance. It's the way insurance works in every other area of our life. But when it comes to life insurance, these tricky little insurance companies have figured out how to get you all freaked out by also offering 
what's called permanent life insurance. And so oftentimes permanent life insurance is called universal or whole life. Whole life being very, this is what you mentioned, but what you're really talking about is permanent. And it's not for a year. You pay it indefinitely until you're no longer here. Now, the issue or the difference between term and whole life is that one, you know, once the term of term is up, unless you renew it or whatever, that's it. And people say, I didn't die in 30 years. I just wasted my money. Which to that I say, when you didn't get into car insurance this year, did you waste your money? When my house didn't burn down, did you waste your money? When my dog is still alive, did you waste your money on, on pet insurance? When I still have my teeth, did you waste your money on dental insurance? Like, come on now. You know, like that's how insurance works. It is there to protect you in case, but we don't say it wasn't worth the money because I didn't have the incident. But with life insurance, insurance companies have gotten very good, especially insurance brokers who sell it, have gotten very good at making you feel bad for not dying. <laughs> Can you imagine? Child, so what happens if you're alive in 30 years? You don't waste your money, child. Are you crazy? I want to be here in 30 years. But whole, so they push this whole life. Now, the problem with whole life is that the expense is not just that much more. I want you to think about what happens when you fly. So I just came back from... From Europe, I went to London, Paris, and I went to the Amalfi Coast. And I flew business class, which is first class. And I use points because, child, ain't nobody paying out of pocket. But when I looked at the price, if I was going to fly economy, I don't even know. Like, um, um, let's just say economy, I don't know, I'm just making it up, to London is $800. Business class to London is like, say, like $4,000. i am just making it up, Right? That the difference is not like eight hundred for economy, sixteen hundred for business side. No, 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 no. They make the difference astronomical. So that way, like it, because if it was just double, then everybody would just be like, I just figure out how to buy business. Business is way more comfortable. It's similar to term and whole life. That term. I'll give you an example. I am forty. I'm about to be forty-four this year. For a 40-year-old healthy woman who does not smoke for a 30-year policy, last time I checked, it was like if I wanted a 30-year term um, um, insurance plan, um, life insurance plan, I think it was like 40 bucks a month. That's how much it would cost a 40-year-old woman who doesn't smoke to get a 30-year plan. 40 bucks a month for a million-dollar plan. Sorry for clarity. So if something happens to this 40-year-old woman in the next 30 years, by the time she's seven, if she's not here anymore, her family will get a million dollars. That same woman who wants to get a million-dollar policy in a, in, a, in a permanent whole life or universal, whatever, those are just um, like the same as calling it permanent, it's about a $740. So it's not even comparable. So it's like, what do I get for paying an extra $700? A headache is what you get. People will tell you, well, you get it for life, for life. The purpose of life insurance is not so you can you can get it for life. The purpose really of life insurance is to protect your dependents for when you can no longer be there for them financially. Now, so meaning 30 years should be enough because if you have a child and by the, if you get life insurance for them the year that or you get life insurance for yourself the year they're born and it's 30 years, by the time they're 30, the assumption is this child can go on and take care of themselves. You see what I mean? So, you know, like, it, it, unless you have, like, a special needs child that's going to need, that's gonna need um, 
um, looking after for life, then you can talk differently with your financial advisor about maybe whole life might be a choice. But really, for most people, term is fine. And the difference, that $700 difference is going to make a difference in in lifestyle. It's going to make a difference in your ability to invest. It's going to make a difference in your ability to purchase like a home and pay for college. That's $700. Them insurance agents be just giggling all the way to the bank, honey. You know, because they know that like it's so much money in their pocket. So I actually have like in the book, Get Good With Money. So if you actually have my book, Get Good With Money, I want you to go ahead on and over and mosey mosey on over to page 248 in the physical book. And I have here, if an insurance broker says permanent life insurance acts as a tax deferral because you put money in and you can essentially take out a tax-free loan for the amount. And what I say is, child, what you need to know that while that's true, it doesn't mean it's the best way for you to get a tax referral, tax deferral. You know, make sure you're already taking advantage of like pre-tax deferral accounts like your 401k or an IRA. You know, a permanent life insurance policy is not the only tax planning strategy. And honestly, it's not even the best. And it's the most expensive. So you can pay $700 to save what? $10 in taxes? Like it doesn't make sense because they'll tell you, oh, like it's a... It's a tax deferral, deferral um, strategy, but there are other strategies that are way better and less expensive. Another one, if the insurance broker says it's building value because it has cash value, what you need to know is that there are better ways. This is their number one way. They tell you it builds cash value. There are better ways to build your wealth. Do some quick math. What's the difference between what you would pay for term per year versus the permanent policy with the same death benefit, right? the same payout amount? You know, what would that cost you? The difference of amount, if you put that into the stock market, that would be more than the cash value. So if I put, let's do, let's do some math. I'm about to pull out, let me, let me pull out my phone. Cause you know, child, because the people be getting me hot when they be talking about whole life. $700 child times 12 months equals 8,400. That's the difference in that term policy. I mentioned for a 40 year old black woman, a 40 year old woman. And, um, you know, for term, a million dollar policy term versus whole, $8,400. That is the amount of money that that person can then put into the market. And on average, the stock market on the low end for the last 30 years has yielded seven to 8%, really about 10%. But if we be keeping it real cute, seven to 8%, do you want to know what the cash value, like the rate of return on that cash value, if you if you put that money, that $700 instead of the market that on the low end yields 7%, in, the, in a whole life policy, like this is the, according to consumer reports, the average annual rate of return for a whole life guaranteed cash value is 1.5%. You might as well put it in grandma's um, um, mattress. 1.5% banks are giving more than that. You literally can just put your money instead of, a, instead of a, a whole life insurance policy into a savings account. Right now, savings accounts are giving up to 4%, if not more. So that whole cash value that you get, oh, what's cash value, cash value? No. In, um, um, inflation, which I don't know, what is the inflation rate right now? We're about to find out. Inflation rate. USA, USA rate of... Inflation. Let's see what's the inflation rate currently. Right now, the the U.S. The, our inflation rate is three point one eight, meaning your money is losing its value at a little over three percent. So if they are making you richer by one point five percent, but your money is decreasing by three point eight percent, you losing money. 
Whereas if you put your money in the market and the market is generating seven to eight to 10% on average annually over the last 30, 30 years or so, like you're going to, you'll be up like 4% because the market is generating say 8% and you are losing 3% due to inflation. So the difference in that is 5%, right? So that means you'll be up 5%. But if whole life says, we'll give you 1.5%, but you're going to lose 3% of inflation. That means you're down 1.5%. That doesn't make sense. Honestly, that's why it irritates me so. Because I'm like, that whole cash value, cash value, you're not giving any interest with cash value. That, that, that extra $700 just goes to people's pockets. That's why they be pushing it so hard. Because, I mean, I've spoken to insurance agents. The amount of money they make on whole life, child, it makes their whole life. And last but not least, if they say you'll have this benefit that can provide that you can provide to your children no matter what, even if you don't have any other assets, they get this life insurance policy from you. I want you to know that this guarantee comes at a significant cost that most it doesn't make most sense for most people. It comes at a significant cost because, yes, you will be able to leave this money to your children. But what about when your kids are alive? I bet you that seven hundred dollars a month would be more helpful for when you're actually alive than a potential one day, hopefully, million dollars if you pass away at 80. Does that make sense? And who knows what a million dollars would be by then? So I just hope that you understand that, like, I promise you, I mean, I can't speak for Ramit, but you can go ahead and Twitter and type in Ramit Seth the whole life, and I promise you, you will see him lambasting it. Lambasting, you know, because um, I believe in life insurance, you know, but I'm just saying that, like, you want, you know, Life insurance is there specifically for your earning years to take care of your dependents when you're not here. That's its core thing. Now, certainly you can use life insurance to help boost your family to grow wealth. So I'll give you an example of how I'm using it now. So most people know that my husband passed away suddenly from an aneurysm like two years ago. And we had life insurance. I had it like, oh, I think I have like a $3 million policy because of like the budgetista has done very well. We have property and all this other stuff. So I wanted to make sure that like, you know, he worked for the the city and I made significantly more than him. And I wanted to make sure that, excuse me, that if I was not here for whatever reason, you know, he can maintain the life that we've built because, um, you know, um, working for the city doesn't pay a ton of money, right? Um, and so he is no longer here. And so he did have life insurance policies from his job and personal ones and that have paid out to myself, his family, and, um, and my stepdaughter. Um, so that was good. He did that. And so just so you know, too, you don't have to have a lot of money to prepare, you know, because his life insurance policy largely is making sure Alyssa, my bonus daughter, doesn't have to worry about paying for school and the money that I put up for her, too. She doesn't have to worry about her first home. So, like, you know, I am not anti-life insurance. Like, it was such a useful tool in helping us like, I didn't need the money, but really helping us, one, pay for, you know, funeral expenses, but also, two, making sure it did what it's supposed to do, making sure that your dependent, your daughter, um, our daughter, you know, um, doesn't have to worry about certain things that we would have taken care of with him being here. With that being said, my financial advisor said, Tiffany, you still have this $3 million policy. What you want to do with it? Because Jarrell's not here. She said, you can cancel it if you want to. Now, I can't remember how much I'm paying for the $3 million. I, I want to say mm, maybe $1,200 for the year. I can't remember. I'm, I, don't get me to lie. 
um, but I can't remember how much I'm paying, but the amount is fairly nominal for my income. Now for me, I said, let's keep it because I recently got it just like um, a few years ago. And so I still have 30 years on it and it doesn't hurt me financially to pay and it can be used as a tool for my family. So when I'm not here to set them up for wealth. So I, if that's what you mean, yes, it is possible to use that as a tool, but I don't pass that 30 years. If I'm still here, then it's gone. You know, it's fine. It's gone. So what I'm doing with the policies that I still have, I have two, I believe, is that it is going, I have a trust that I created. It is going to, the trust is the beneficiary to the life insurance policy. So it will go into the trust if something happens to me. And then the trust has, I have the trust set up where the beneficiaries, my mom, my dad, if they're still here, my sisters and my stepdaughter, Alyssa, that along with the other assets, my businesses, money, blah, blah, blah. All of that literally goes into the trust and the trust knows what to do. It knows what's to, what to leave Alyssa, what to leave my parents if they're still here and whatever's left over gets split evenly between my sisters. I have four sisters. So I say all that to say that yes, life insurance can certainly be used in that way once it covers what it's supposed to cover, which is my dependents who depend on me within this 30 years, 20, 10, whatever years. Um, and then beyond that, if it doesn't harm you financially, certainly you can think about keeping it on like I'm keeping it on. But I hope that makes sense. Yes. So I'm not, you know, I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I'm here to tell you, child, whole life is a whole mistake. And if you are a broker, go someplace else, please. Because I know you're going to be like, oh, I block, you know, I don't be, y'all be right. And sometimes you be writing a whole soliloquy. I said, poor Tink Tink, because I don't, the moment I read any sort of like black, now if you have some constructive things, certainly, you know, cause I don't get everything right. But here's the thing, this, this part of the book, one thing of when I wrote get good with money, I made sure the parts where I am not the expert in, I am not an insurance expert, but you know what I did? I literally hired an insurance expert to interview for this component, to go through all parts of life insurance and why and in, the ins and outs, because I didn't want to just be talking. And so when you come at me, I'm just saying like, this is not just like what I pull from the air. No, no, no. I interviewed actually a number of people, but one expert in particular, like why, what is the difference? Why is it not better? Why shouldn't people get whole like that? And so just know that this is like a fine, a certified financial planner who, who, um, who I, I tapped into for this section of the book. Each section of the book has its own expert, the parts that I'm, that's not my expertise, or I don't have schooling in or whatever certificates in. Just so you know, come for your mama, not me, okay? All right, so I hope that's helpful. Um, yeah, okay, um, Todd and Rob, we had a good time, if not a long time. All right, so if you want your questions to be answered on the Brian Ambition Podcast, um, Podcast at gmail.com, um, the BA podcast on Twitter, Barnabas and podcast on IG, um, podcast.com. Just contact us there and get your questions answered until next time. Goodbye. Farewell. I did as I do. I do to you and you and you. Goodbye. Name that tune. Tweet it to me. <laughs> the budgetista. Bye. 
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market. Rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.